Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. My name is Nijda Tsaturyan. I'm the editor of the creative tech section here at EVN Report. Today, my guest was Hofsep Patwakanyan. Hofsep is the founder and CEO of investin.am, a platform that allows companies from Armenia to be connected with investors from around the world. We spoke about the launch of the platform, which took place last week, what problems they're trying to solve, the areas of Armenia's economy that are attractive for investment, how Armenians from all around the world can get involved in investing in Armenia. We also touched on the recent policy changes that have been announced for equity crowdfunding uh, in Armenia. Hofsep, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hofsep, let's start with a little bit of your background. How did you get involved in the finance and investing world? So my first involvement started from the uh, from the bachelor's that I did in Armenia, followed by the studies at the Stockholm School of Economics, and then at the Central European University, followed by the PhD in finance and economics so with the inflation forecasting and neural networks as the basis for the inflation forecasting uh, in Armenia, but not only. When was this? Um, it was back in 2015, Okay, uh, some seven, seven years seven ago. Years Following the studies, I've been also involved in the organizations that mainly deal with the finance, economic development, worked at the Jacobs Cordova Associates, which is a Washington-based uh, company that provides regulatory reforms uh, consultancy to the governments of different countries. So we worked with um, around 40, 42 uh, countries uh, on their reforms agenda, also in Armenia. But um, those countries covered as far as Kenya, Croatia, Japan. Uh, I had the mission in Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, all of the possible stunts. Yes, and so the, this path has led me to delve even deeper into the finance and into the economic development. Okay. So today you're the CEO of Invest in Armenia. Can you tell us a little bit about what Invest in Armenia is and how you came up, how how did you come about this idea to to start this this company? Sure, um, we've started Invest in Armenia around uh, five years ago. Since we've been working in many countries, and we've meeting a lot of investment funds, a lot of companies that were interested by Armenia, we always were getting the questions on where we can get all kind of information about Armenia be it investment opportunities, be it the tax incentives, be it the companies that have the export potential. After searching ourselves for such a platform and not managing to find a unique place that combines all of this in one, uh, in one place, we've decided with uh, my colleagues to start off an initiative uh, as an Invest Armenia. An initiative has turned into a company, Close Joint Stock Company, which currently has shareholders from 12 countries, out of which only three are Armenians, and all of the others are foreigners. We have shareholders from Australia, Greece, Lithuania, Canada, US, and many other countries. So basically, the, the idea behind Invest Armenia was to bridge two types of people, two group of people. First group are people who, or funds, or institutions who are interested to invest in Armenia, but they lack the knowledge about Armenia, they lack the investment opportunities here. On the other hand, these are the current businesses, local businesses who want to expand, or individuals who possess land or any asset and they want to expand somehow. So we've become a bridge between these two group of people 
in terms of the guarantor for both of them. Because the investors, they want a project and they are interested in an opportunity which has undergone a certain due diligence. Uh, for them to feel safe about the project, to feel safe about investing in the project. And on the other hand, when it comes to the local businesses who are not familiar with how investment funds work, what kind of investors there are, you know, what kind of investment models exist. It's important for them to know that, on the other hand, people that apply to them who are interested to invest in their projects are real people, uh, have track record of different other investment projects they've been participating in. Basically, this is the issue that we solve. When we started with Invest Armenia, we've realized that um, most of our resources, labor resources, uh, can be transformed into the automation processes. And that's why just recently, around seven days ago, we've launched uh, a platform which is called investin.am, mm -hmm. which basically does all these processes of due diligence of the feasibility checks uh, automatically through the platform. So just before we get to the platform, before launching the platform, were you guys just preparing that information and making it readily available online for investors? The way we've been working, we have the uh, database of investors, around 2,000 verified investors, including investment funds. The local business who wanted to expand or needed funds, they've submitted uh, the business plan based on our template, after which we've been doing the due diligence of this project and the business, and then each business plan was pitched to the targeted investors who are interested in the given sector within the given uh, profitability margin. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine how hard it can be when you have, um, let's say, 10, 11 projects at hand and you need to do it all manually to pitch manually each each project to, to the given pool of investors. Right. So your platform launched uh, last week. Yes. Um, and... If our listeners can go on there and see the various projects that are currently seeking yeah. funding. Let's talk about how a project gets approved to be on the platform. What procedure do companies need to go through in order to get approved? Well, firstly, it is possible to submit the project through the platform. Anybody uh, can do it. Anybody can do it. From um, Armenia. From Armenia, yes. Yeah. They can enter the platform, submit the project. On the first phase, we have the artificial intelligence-based tool built in the platform, which checks the feasibility of the given numbers, okay. aka if you've uh, provided that your profitability will be 55%, but your payback will be 20 years. Um, Something's wrong. Yes, and your <laughs> share will be 1%. Right. Something is wrong there. And basically, in the first phase, the tool puts you in this red zone, yellow zone, or green zone. If it is a red zone, then your project is rejected. If it is yellow zone or green zone, our team, comprising of people in the respective department, checks the, uh, the criteria that you've submitted and then either approves it or rejects it. We've created several automated systems within our team as well, which allows us to approve a project within 72 hours. Do you build these systems in-house? Yes. So you guys have engineers on the team yeah. that work on these solutions? Yeah, we've been working on this actually for around two years. Very interesting. Okay. Um, and then what about the investors? Uh, how, do you, how do you source people to be a part of the platform? And can people apply to join? Anyone who is not a part of our database 
can register in the system, get the verification and join the, the database that we have right now. Uh, firstly, we, we check whether uh, their investment fund or capital fund is existent or not. Okay. Secondly, we check uh, how active it was for the past several years. What did they invest in? Uh, which country they are based in? Uh, thirdly, we check their social presence, aka LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, other professional networks they are part of, etc. And in this way, we come close to the full due diligence package for these uh, investment companies or individuals. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we can't fully do the, the checkups on, on these people, but at least this is the closest that we can come to. Can individual investors apply or do they have to be a part of a fund? Individual investors can also apply. They can also register. When we look at the database we have, the investment funds are around 50%, 50-55% of the whole database, but the rest are the individual investors. And from the individual investors, around 65% to 70% are diaspora Armenians. And the rest are mainly angel investors or venture investors. Yeah. So you already have your pool of investors that are on the platform. How many projects do you guys have now? At the moment, uh, we have around 30, 32 projects ongoing. Most of them have already received certain offers. They are in the negotiation stage. But what we have also in the platform, and as we started to work on it, we've realized that not only investors, but also distributors and businesses in other countries are interested to import Armenian products. Hmm. Not by the unit, but through the B2B sales. So we've also created a separate uh, integrated area, integrated block in the, uh, in the platform called Export from Armenia, where you can check what kind of companies have the export potential to export from Armenia, which countries they target, what is their minimum quantity uh, for the order, what will be their wholesale price, etc. And you can, again, get the verification through the system and contact the, the owner of the business. These are the businesses who have undergone our check in terms of their export potential. Those have the uh, certifications uh, for the export in the targeted countries they've mentioned. They also have good branding. So our purpose was not only to place and to showcase the Armenian products, but also to, to tell people what they do wrong and what they do right, right for them to enter external markets. So in case a company that has a very good product but extremely bad branding comes to us, with redirecting them to, to our other department, which is uh, responsible for the branding. Right. Because without this, they won't have any chance to enter the market. Right. Um, our purpose for the export is to have the competitive Armenian product, which will not stand out as an Armenian product. Just because as a the product. consumer shouldn't buy a product just because it's an Armenian product. Right. Right. We always joke in our office that a product will have a success if you look at it and you don't understand that it, it comes from Armenia. Right. It right. means that it's competitive worldwide. It stands on its own feet. Yes. Yeah. That's super important. Apart from this, for the export portal part, we have at the moment 100 businesses, 110, 115 businesses already registered. Uh, and it's an ongoing process. Every day we have more and more companies. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When a company comes onto your platform and is looking to raise an, uh, a round of investment, let's say they say they're looking for $100,000, do the investors go and start making offers or can different investors 
you know, on your platform say, you know, I'm willing to put up 25,000 and then three other investors can bring in 25,000 each as well. And then it sort of gets crowdfunded that way. Or is it more private negotiations? It's both. Uh, when uh, when the investment project is submitted, there is a part that the owner fills out that refers to the minimum ticket size. So minimum, what is the sum from from where on they can discuss the investments with the investment funds or investors. Can you explain what a minimum ticket size is? Yes. So basically, if you have a project of, uh, let's say, $500,000, you say that the minimum amount of investments I envisage is, let's say, 50000 So in case you are someone who has 50000 even though my project, overall project, needs 500000 I'll accept your 50000 and can start negotiations from you and can raise the other 450000 from other oh, investors. Got it. Okay. What type of projects are on the platform now? What type of companies are looking to raise money? Um, so we have very wide range of projects. We have a project that starts from $90,000. It's a charging station system for eco cars, cool. electric cars, uh, up to... $20 million project, uh, which is um, arm basalt um, factory expansion. We have projects in textile, companies that want to expand. We have a project uh, with the smart home devices manufacturing uh, in Armenia, uh, which has the contracts with 72 distributors and exports to 25 countries of the world. They also have their uh, representation. I mean, their devices are in the Caesar Palace of Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, so these are the type of projects that we have. But um, all these projects for us, they do have the potential to grow even further. For example, for Heltun, for the smart home devices, uh, their first investment was $1 million. Then they raised another $750,000. And now they're looking for $250,000. dollars mm -hmm. A lot of projects that we take, a lot of businesses, they're looking for expansion. For example, we have Laloon's textile factory, which has grown seven times within three years. And it now receives a lot of contracts from a lot of external actors, uh, businesses, but it doesn't have the, the manufacturing capacity to be compatible with this growth of contracts. So they're looking for investments to expand their production. Uh, the same refers to the meat products production in Shamshadin. Again, people tend to receive, and a lot of businesses, they face this right now. They receive a, a lot of orders from abroad, but they don't have the production capacities to give out this high amount of, uh, of their products. Right. So I grew up in Canada, and uh, all my life I've been hearing in the diaspora that people are looking for an opportunity to engage with Armenia through investments, investment in local businesses. Do you have a message to our diaspora listeners about how they can get involved with the, the platform and the project? Firstly, my message will be to visit the platform. Invest in AM. The platform not only gives you investment opportunities or the products for, for your import to Canada, it also can help you to understand what kind of taxes you need to pay in Armenia. We have uh, created an online tax calculator, which helps you in 50 seconds 10-15 seconds, to simply put in the data, what, what kind of business you want to run in Armenia, which sector, how many workers, etc. And it will calculate you in 10-15 seconds what your taxes will be, given all the possible preferential regimes, all the possible subsidies there are for 
for for Armenians uh, from diaspora and not only. And um, on the other hand, we've created another calculator called Export Potential Calculator. So if you are from Canada and you want to start something in manufacturing in Armenia and you don't have any idea what to produce in Armenia, you can choose the pair Armenia and Canada and then the calculator will calculate you and show you what products produced in Armenia can be competitive in Canada. Wow. It takes into account the transportation costs of you and your competitors. It takes into account the tariffs, takes into account the price uh, in terms of the average unit price and it is um, it's all calculated based on the algorithm that we've created but it's also uh, adjacent to the UN Comtrade database so as soon as data there changes we have the changes in the calculator mm-hmm. and basically you simply put Canada and Armenia you choose the product type or you can eliminate the product type if you don't have anything particular in mind and it will show you top 10 15 up to 50 yeah. products that can be competitive in the canadian market and it will also show you how much at this moment is exported of this product to canada and what is the niche that is left there and you provide all this data for free yes that's pretty impressive i think n- nobody can say they have any ex- any more excuses <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Armenia as an investment environment in general. Um, Are there any specific attributes that make Armenia an attractive area for investment? Our water, our sun. Right, (laughs) our mountains. This is is the problem. (laughs) This is what we're used to say to people when we meet. Even with the businesses we work currently, it's around 150 businesses overall, export and investment. When I ask them why you invest in Armenia, you know what's the answer we get? It's because our land, it's our nature. This is something that we know. It's but no business responses. will start right. work and operational um, being no no business will start working in Armenia only because there is sun in Armenia. Right, right, absolutely. Armenia has a package, a very rational package. Why it can be deemed as an investment destination? First, Armenia is the only country in the region which is on one hand a part of Eurasian Economic Union, and on the other hand has the agreement uh, with the European Union, SEPA agreement. Additionally, it has free trade regimes with several countries, including Singapore, Serbia. It has preferential regimes with Norway, Switzerland, US for trade. And basically, when you look at this package, you see that Armenia, as the destination to place your manufacturing in, gives you access to 1.5 billion market with zero customs duties. Hmm. And it's one of the few countries in the world that has this possibility that on one hand connects and gives you access to the Eurasia, right. on the other hand to the European Union markets and many other countries, single countries that I've named. So it's at the in- intersection of yes. two very large yes. markets. Yeah. Secondly, uh, it's one of the few countries in the world where it's very easy to register business. Hmm. I believe based on the doing business rankings, it's in top 10. In other countries, when you register a business, you'll need to have minimum capital requirement. Right. In Armenia, you don't have this minimum capital requirement. Basically, it takes you around 15 to 20 minutes to register business in Armenia, and it can be done through one-stop shop or online. Third, in terms of the tax breaks and investment incentives, Armenia has a very flexible tax regimes and very good subsidies based on different sectors. 
if we dig deeper into the IT, for the IT startups uh, and for the IT companies, we have two preferential laws. First is the IT startup uh, preferential tax regime, which basically says if your IT startup is, is employing uh, 30 or less people, then you can be tax exempt on your profit tax for for the three uh, from three to five years. Mm -hmm. Additionally, your personal income tax or payroll tax, as you say in, in Canada and the US, is lowered from 21% to 10%. On the other hand, um, if you're a company that wants to relocate to Armenia and has employees 50 plus, so you bring to Armenia more than 50 employees with you, right? your personal income tax payments will be reimbursed. 50% uh, of this payment will be reimbursed back to you as a firm, which is for the IT companies a very big sum, given their salaries and given the right. amount of people they bring. Hmm. When it comes to agricultural sector, we have the subsidies there for three, four programs. For the intensive orchards, uh, if you establish an intensive orchard, intensive garden in Armenia, you get from 50 to 70% subsidy of your construction costs. The same goes to the high-tech greenhouses. Same goes to the smart farms. And these are the programs that, if known, whenever we deliver this message to the investors, we, didn't have, we didn't have any hesitations. Right. Because Armenia stands out on this uh, across the region, across a wider region, be it Eastern Europe or Eurasia. Yeah. Additionally, when it comes to the other preferential tax regimes, we have the three-tier system. If you your business is lower than $55,000 per year, then you are under micro business mm -hmm. and you don't pay any taxes, basically. The only tax that you pay is the personal income tax, which is, again, a fixed sum, $10 per month, irrespective of your salary. Right. The other one is from $55,000 to $220,000 per year. Then you will be paying a sales tax only, mm -hmm. which is from one point. 5% to 6%, depending on the sector you operate. And then $220,000 and higher, and you fall under the general tax scheme. But also, especially for the diaspora Armenians, uh, a lot of people who want to invest in the borderline villages, mm -hmm. in the borderline cities, for example, in Bert from Davush or in Paravakar of Davush and many other uh, locations, we have a special borderline uh, preferential tax regime which basically says if you start manufacturing there, you'll be fully tax-exempt, mm -hmm. irrespective of your annual sales, irrespective of your turnover. Right. When it comes to agriculture, if you are a producer of agricultural goods, if it is below uh, $220,000 per year, which mm -hmm. in many cases for farms it is, you again don't pay any taxes. Right. The issue is that all these incentives, investment incentives, tax breaks, in many cases, are not known right. to the diaspora Armenians, to the foreigners. Yeah. Because what we like to show off is our cognac, our history, right. our sun, our nature. While you, we need to understand when we talk to the possible investor, we need to talk in the language of money, right. in the language of business case, right. especially when you have one. Right. Which we, which we do. Yes. Right. Obviously, when they come to Armenia, when they invest in Armenia, they'll get to know your nature, they'll get to know your right. cognac, your history, and many other things. Right. It's an indirect way of getting yes. to that goal. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, when you go to an American who has no idea what Armenia is, right. they've heard 
a lot about Kardashian. They know about the Armenian genocide. But this is basically the mix of genocide and Kardashian right. in their mind. <laughs> right. And you go there and speak about the, the nature. The, the nature doesn't really fit within, in between Kardashian and genocide. Right. It, you, you need to understand what kind of picture they will have afterwards, right. what, what message you give. Right. Yeah. And this is the problem that we have. And this is something that we try to solve. Yeah. And I think that's a particular problem that definitely exists in the diaspora because diasporans, and I put, put myself in this group as well, can't help themselves to not feel emotional about uh, their involvement with Armenia. But even if your goal is, is emo even if the, your motives are emotional, you're, the best way to get there is how you're, how you're speaking about it. Of course. Just pure uh, merit-based um, decision-making, right? I think you would do well if you take sort of a tour of major <laughs> diasporan <laughs> cities and sort of present this case to them. What about any specific uh, sectors in Armenia that you think might be uh, sort of ripe for investment? Are there some that you can mention or...? Well, first is the tech sector, the IT sector, um, because we, we see a very big pool of talent here. Yeah. And this is something that can easily be developed within a very short period of time. Uh, at the moment, we know already several startups that within one year are able to raise $200,000, $500,000. And uh, given the paradigm shift in the world of going more tech yeah. or going more digital, this process has intensified. Right. Especially also given the fact that the sociopolitical uh, landscape that yeah. we, we found ourselves in with the Russian-Ukrainian conflict, etc. This is one of the sectors. The other is the agriculture, uh, given that around 40-45% um, of the Armenian land is not used mm -hmm. at all. It's just there, you know. And when, whenever you want to create a country that is secure, right. you can't have a land with 40% yeah. not used for any purposes. Why is that? Why is it unused? In my opinion, there are several reasons. One is uh, there is no good pitch. So there is land. There is a person who owns this land, but he doesn't know what to do with this land. Mm. Whenever they come to us as well, we, what we propose is that we can take the land that you own, we can create a project around it with the business plan, with the renders, etc., and try to pitch it to our investors. Yeah. But you need to stay out of this. You shouldn't be the one to sit there at the table and negotiate because right. you don't have this capacity to negotiate with these people. Right. And whenever you do, it fails. So if your purpose is not to sell the, the land, just go ahead. Join us in the negotiations. So you guys sort of act as a broker for them. Yes. Yeah. But uh, this is something they people don't really understand. Whenever you ask them to be the, the passive shareholder yeah. in the project, they don't really see how these things work. Yeah. Um, because in their opinion, if they own the land, it means it's their 100%. Mm -hmm. In many cases, they don't even understand that when, when there is an investment yeah. into this project, there will be a share right. against this investment. They believe this is a charity work. You right, know, right. They came and invested money. But um, worse than that is in many cases, whenever uh, there is an, an ongoing activity, and we brought a lot of delegations from many countries, from India, from Spain, from yeah. Serbia, from Georgia, and we go and show them the areas that we believe can be uh, used as basis for these projects. 
and we agreed upon with the owner on certain price contractually. Whenever it comes the moment when the investment deal is close to, to its finish, suddenly the price goes up right. twice. <laughs> and whenever you refer to the contract or to the previous agreement, their idea is that, you know, if you brought this delegation, there will be many more delegations. It means there is demand. Why to go with lower price? What they don't understand is the effort that you put to, to persuade deal. this delegation to come to Armenia, that these are the conditions they agreed upon to yeah. come to Armenia. Yeah. And if you, if you fail them, the, the investors' community is very... close uh, Yes. Yeah. It's... Uh, your reputation gets stained. Yes, yeah. th- th- messages pass through very fast. Yeah. Based on this, uh, we've started to work even harder on our due diligence. Whenever a person comes to us with their land or with their option in hand. So this is first reason. The second reason, which is an objective reason, um, are the state regulations that exist in Armenia, which unfortunately, when it comes to the construction permits when it comes to the water access water connection gas connection electricity connection those are things that are not in line with international standards at the moment in armenian law it's written that the construction permit can be uh, obtained within two months Mm -hmm. max we have clients that are waiting for the construction permit for one year already the same goes to the water connection if you have a land and if you want to grow something on it, you need to have the water right. connection to yeah. it. You need to have the irrigation system. Right. So far, there have been several big state investments to better this situation. The infrastructure. Yes, yeah. there was the. There is a very good project of Vedi Reservoir, water reservoir that is built in Ararat Valley, to to Solve to, the to yes to ensure higher irrigation for the land there. But it requires a lot of investments and a lot of. Not only state investments, but a lot of loan investments, a lot of donor investments. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing that we currently face through the state policy, just based on numbers, when you look at the performance of the capital investments and state investments, the way it works, they plan out for one year or two years what kind of investments they need to do. Be it bridge, be it roads, be it irrigation system. They announce the tenders. And they have people who will implement this. Yeah, We don't have enough companies who correspond to the international standards to apply to these standards mm. and to implement those standards. That's why when you look at the performance, it uh, varies from 60 to 65%. Uh, it means that even though you planned and you have your money in the budget, yeah. the allocation, mm. you don't have enough companies and enough capacity in your country to implement these things yeah and that's why when people talk to us and ask us where they need to invest what kind of um, business they 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 can start in armenia we always say these things because we see that this is a clear demand right. there is a state money from for this but there are no companies to implement this right so key improvements in infrastructure would have a catalyst effect on different sectors Yes, and the regulations. And regulations. And regulations, because, again, uh, be it the construction permit, water connection, gas connection, electricity connection, it's very very long, it's very hard. Uh, Sometimes I I imagine if it's not us who help them out on these matters, if it's not us who do this on their behalf, they might leave the country discouraged. 
Yeah. Very much so. Let's quickly get back to the tech sector for a second. From my experience, often tech companies look for directly VC funding or angels because they often take on those people for board seats, advisory shares, things like that. Do you think your platform can be a vehicle for Armenian tech startups to raise funding? Or is this model better applied for some of the other areas that you mentioned? So in our platform, you can find both traditional businesses that operate for a long time in different sectors, but also startups. You can see startups that want to raise uh, in their pre-seed level, seed level, or even round A, B. In our database, we have angel investors, we have venture capital representatives, um, but what we usually recommend for the IT startups is to work through the convertible notes. Hmm. Uh, these are basically the uh, the instrument that helps you out in the initial stage, but converts the investment to the shares when your company grows, uh, when it has reached a certain market value within five years to 10 years. Because it's hard to value the company at that yes. very early stage, so the yes. valuation is left for the next yes. round. And um, what we try to do, um, of course, it is very hard to to do both the traditional businesses and the startups, but since we see the demand on this, we don't want to leave our investors interested in these areas alone. Right. Uh, and in this way, when it comes to the startups, we also uh, check the pitch, uh, especially on the pre-seed level, to see to what extent it corresponds to our criteria, because we know our investors, we know what they want to invest in, what they will be interested in. And then to to match those two. Right. What's up? Uh, let me ask you a question about just sort of investment models in general. Over the last year, there's been some changes to Armenia's regulatory policies around equity crowdfunding. And about six or seven years ago, this started in the U.S. with the Jobs Act um, that deregulated equity crowdfunding and made it possible for companies to crowdfund an investment round um, and give equity in in exchange for those um, smaller investments, I guess. What do you think of this model, and do you think it's something that will work well in Armenia? Because it seems like the first platforms are going to start popping up soon. Yes. So when it comes to crowdfunding uh, investments, equity crowdfunding, we've been working with the Central Bank of Armenia for the past one and a half years on changing those regulations. So we've been actively involved in the working group uh, on this. There are some, some issues still that I see in its uh, technical matters uh, and its operation. But let me first go with the concept uh, and why I believe this will perfectly work for Armenia. The, the concept behind the crowdfunding equity is the business representation of what Armenia is for me. Hmm. What do you mean by that? I mean, Armenia for me is the package with a lot of bundles scattered around the world that can contribute to the bigger idea, to the bigger concept, and to implement this in Armenia. So we have around from 8 to 10 million diaspora Armenians. Each of these people is a sales manager of Armenia. Mm -hmm. Each of these people are the influencers of Armenia. We don't need to hire more. Right. And we are very much proud of being Armenian. We're always <laughs> right. trying to no sell Armenia yeah. as, as much as possible to, to whoever we, we meet. Right. Right. And whenever you have um, a project, a business opportunity where you can invest with $1, $2, $10, $50, yeah. for you, this is the transformation of the charity that you've been doing right. 
into creation of something sustainable. Mm -hmm. A business that will operate here will generate profit and will sustain itself and you'll be only a minor shareholder. Right, independent of you. Yes. On the other hand, I believe there are still several technical matters that might hinder the full operation of it. Mm -hmm. One of such issues that I've seen, and we've talked about this extensively, whenever you do the equity crowdfunding, according to our newly adopted regulations, you have the so-called regret period, grace Mm. period. Whenever you commit, let's say $10 to a project, the system will allow you four days to remorse. Is that by by law? Yes. Uh, That I'm sorry. I changed my mind. I didn't mean it. (laughs) 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 I was just drunk with Ararat and, you know, I just wanted to to invest something in in my my country. But whenever he he commits, at that stage, they submit the passport details. Okay. Irrespective of whether he will regret afterwards, you will have his passport, which to me... As someone who works with investors, for yeah. me, this is absurd because no investor, if he doesn't invest actually, but only commits, will provide their passport details right. Um, right. from from scratch, right. yeah. however drunk they are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and I believe these kind of technical matters, once the platforms will start to work, yeah. because there are, I know at least three equity crowdfunding platforms that are currently uh, being developed. Once they start to work, I believe those issues will emerge themselves. What we have at Invest in AM, at Invest in AM, we have the code yeah. already written, which is ready to be integrated to allow crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding within our platform as well. So you guys will go into that space as well? Yes, but we want to wait and see <laughs> how, <it laughs> how <goes>. these issues <laughs> emerge and then to integrate this into the platform because... Our platform at the moment is quite successful within the model that it has, which is private equity without crowdfunding equity. So we'll wait and see how these elements emerge, whether they hinder the process or not. And then based on this, we'll understand whether to integrate this code or not. Okay, very interesting. And Hope said my last question, how do you see the future of Invest in AM in the next 10 years, let's say? What hopes do you have for your company? Based on the expectations we've had for the upcoming seven days, then one month and three months, we have basically our expectations for the for the given timeline. We see that we've surpassed our expectations. At the When you look for the first seven days of the launch, we already have 120 businesses in the platform. We have um, daily view of around 30,000 people. Mm-hmm. Daily view the, the page. And we see that our database is growing very fast of the possible investors, yeah. distributors, etc. Our initial goal with Invest in AM, since it is the universal code, yeah. and basically it matches the investors with investment projects and local producers with distributors. Our uh, long-term plan is to have global investing mm-hmm. which will basically work in any country yeah not only in armenia our goal for armenia is to be a working dynamic matching bridge between investors and armenia and through this channel through these tools also to help local businesses to speak business right. language to speak investor language you want to impact to, cultural changes yes, in the business to, culture. To develop their strategies in accordance with the international guidelines, yeah. international standards. 
to do a lot of certifications when needed. Right. Why we took the export? Because in case of export, many companies, they prefer Russia as the easiest choice to enter mm-hmm. the market because there are almost no certifications to undergo and the certifications that you need, they're quite easy. Right. But whoever we talked to, everyone was telling us that, you know, if if I have good orders or good contract from Poland, from France, from Germany, I'd rather go to those countries because it requires for me an investment into the certification process, etc. Yeah. So our goal also is to help them find these orders for them to develop institutionally within their company. Yeah. Because one of the other problems that the businesses face, once they start disinvesting in their institutional capacity, in their um, production capacity, it comes a point when they simply leave the market Mm -hmm. because they are outgrown by their competitors. Right, yeah. The conversation about business culture in Armenia is one that I think we could spend another hour on. So I hope you'll you'll come back one day and we'll (laughs) we'll have that conversation. With pleasure. Hovsep, best of luck to you and thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you, thank you too.